Welcome to Good Life. I'm Dean Wilson. So glad you're with us. As always, we're we're presented by Bunnin Chevrolet, our good friends at Bunnin Chevrolet. We love those guys. So thank them. And we're thank we thank you for being with us wherever you are. Uh, if you're joining us here on television in the Santa Barbara, California area, we welcome you at TVSB. So grateful for our friends at TVSB. And then of course, um, so many of you are joining us from around the world at goodlifetelevision.org and the YouTube channel and the social media platforms. And then over the last uh, year or so, the podcast has really become a, a popular platform. So if you search any podcast platform, you can search Good Life Conversations and you can find us any any platform, Good Life Conversations. If you're a podcast person, we'd love to have you there. Uh, we're talking about the good stuff. Uh, it's so wonderful. We've had these wonderful people. We get to choose what we dwell on. And I remind myself of that often. I try to remind my family that we get to choose what we dwell on. And so the good stuff is what we're here to talk about. We don't ignore suffering. We don't ignore the world we live in. It's not about that. We're not, nobody's head is in the sand, but we're also getting to choose what we dwell on and magnify. And so so grateful that you're here along for the ride. I'm so excited about my guest today. Uh, Kim Harvey Brannon is with me. Kim, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I've, I've been so excited. I've had your book. The book is Quiet Conversations, What God Wants You to Know About Him. Again, it's Kim Harvey Brannan. So B-R-A-N-N-A-N is the spelling of it, but I encourage you to pick that up uh, in Kim's bio. I love, I've, I've read a lot of bios. Uh, I love this one because the first three words under Kim's name, it says proclaimer of grace. What? Uh, that's a good, that's a good idea. <laughs> it means a lot to me, actually. I feel like I love how you started chatting with your uh, viewers and listeners in saying that um, we get to choose what we dwell on. I love that. That's a wonderful, wonderful theme to approach life with. And I like to my think of myself as a proclaimer of grace because of all the wonderful blessings and promises of God and just all of the many foundational principles about who he is. At the essence of that is God's grace. And I feel like in my lifetime, the greatest privilege for me is to proclaim his grace because that is the greatest message that we have to share with the world. Oh, that's so true. So true. Kim, by the way, author, teacher, she's taught Bible studies groups. She's a speaker. She's a mother. She's all kinds of things. So Kim is a, is a special person. She's in Tampa, Florida, and I've uh, been blessed to again, to read a little bit about her. I, when he, I, I was asked to speak a, a year ago at this prayer breakfast, and I was kind of sharing my story. And I was thinking about like, first of all, I, I you know, it, it can be tempting in those kind of things to like, talk about, you know, yourself. And I, and the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, how do I do a testimony without talking about myself? Well, you have to talk about yourself a little bit, but, but you, but I, but I kept here and don't make this about you and your strengths, make this about God and your weaknesses. Uh, and, and, and I had, I ended up with six points about God and it was, so I, it, it kind of, when I saw your book, I was like, wow, this is kind of, she thinks a little bit similarly, but the first point I started with of the six was the God of grace, because it is such a game changing thing. And, and, and if you had to describe for people, Kim, if you going from 
you know, the law, the, the law, which is, it comes in all shapes and sizes. I mean, I, th I feel like people, you know, people are under the law that don't even know it. I mean, religion can put you under the law and you can find yourself buried in the law, which is punishment, which is you're never going to meet the mark, you know, and it can be a pretty, pretty frustrating, frustrating existence, I think, for people. Can you talk about in your experience what it means to live under the grace versus that old law? That's a wonderful question because I feel that I've seen a lot of change over the course of my lifetime. I was raised in a wonderful Christian home, wonderful parents who raised my two brothers and me. We were always in church anytime it was open on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And um, I loved my upbringing to learn a lot about faith and a lot about the Bible and the Old Testament and the New Testament. But the one thing that's been transforming for me as I became a young adult, and now many years later, as I don't know what to call myself, a middle-aged adult, an older adult. <laughs> You're young. Um, but is that I feel like I moved from a more legalistic approach to faith and into gradually the exciting grasping of realizing that I don't need to live in a legalistic lifestyle that is concentrating on all of the don't do this don't do that instead of having a message say maybe you should do this maybe you should forgive maybe you should love maybe you should care and maybe you should reach out and so i feel like you know jesus came so that we don't have to feel that burden of the law on our shoulders to feel like we never measure up because he clothes us with his righteousness, because his blood is what bought us our salvation on Calvary. And so it's the gift of God's grace that allowed that miracle to happen. And so the reason I like to be a proclaimer of grace is that we can live a life in gratitude to God that we are never any day of our existence going to do everything according to the law and do everything right. But the more we love God and we accept the love he has for us, then tiny little half an inch by half an inch, we become closer to what God wants us to be and to be more like Jesus. And I just feel like living in grace is a welcome balm to my soul. And if you are living in a situation where you're constantly berating yourself and others around you are berating you for all the things you're not doing well enough or the, the lack of the number of things you should be doing right, I don't think it's a way to experience the ever-flowing, refreshing beauty of God's love and his grace. And I think that's at the heart of the whole gospel. Well, that's just beautifully said, beautifully said. The, the world needs the grace of god i mean i that sounds like pretty obvious but i mean it, it's it, it's worth saying you know that because I, I feel like sometimes the religion the spirit of religion the spirit of that legalistic kind of edge mm -hmm. it, it it becomes more about me looking at you than anything else and i'm going to evaluate how you're doing based on my laws right Right. I mean, you know, exactly. And the scripture that talks about, you know, if you can't forgive your brother, then why should God forgive you? Right. 
you know, if you can't, you know, Jesus said, judge not, or you're going to be judged. And don't worry about what's going on with your brother who has a speck in his eye, because you have a log in your own eye. Right. I mean, right. just the minute my mother used to tell me when I was little, if you start pointing a finger, your thumb is pointing right back at you. <laughs> yeah, and right. it's the truth, you know? Right. And so it's a just much more refreshing message to share with the world. And it's the reason we are Christians is because God's grace allows us to be Christians yeah. and to be believers that he allowed Jesus to atone for our sins. And that's, we're all just a bunch of forgiven sinners. That's what the church of Christ really is. And, um, you know, it's sad when you mention, I do uh, agree a hundred percent when you mention like about the organized religion, uh, denominations, I like to remember that Jesus Christ did not create denominations. Mankind did. <laughs> right. There's Jesus one church. That's said, right. Yeah. Jesus said, That's believe right. in me and you shall be my church. The church is just made of people who believe in Christ. Yeah. And we have made it so complicated. Yeah. And you even get one major branch of a denomination. They now have like 10 or 12 or 15 different sub branches. Right. Um, so that there, there's so little that people recognize as being in common, whereas I wish we would let our barriers be torn down and focus solely on what we held in common, which is God's love, God's grace, his redemption for the world and for us as individuals. Yes, that's so, so true. Yeah, I, I, I've I've said that before, you know, if a letter where I'm sitting in Santa Barbara, California, but if so, if, if, you know, if a letter was sent like it was to the Corinthians or the Romans or the Thessalonians or, you know, who would receive the letter, you know, if it was, if there was a letter to the church, well, the truth is there's one church in Santa Barbara. There's not 79. Right. I mean, there, 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 uh -huh. it's one, there's one church in this idea. And then the fighting and the, like the rules and the, like an hour I wake up and like my, my morning is ruined because of on Twitter looking at the Southern Baptists fighting at the convention yes. about God knows what. And I don't even care. Just no, let me just, here's a word to the Southern Baptist convention this morning. Nobody cares. <laughs> Can we just love each right. other? Nobody I know. cares. And, and right. they're all they're all taking to social media platforms to shoot at the other side and shoot at the other side. And I don't, sure. I mean, I have opinions about these are in light of eternity folks. Do we really, I mean, are you serious? Like this is how we're going to spend our time. I mean, I'm and think about the time that's wasted because we only have, none of us know how much time we have on right? earth right? and we don't know you know, how long the earth has, honestly. So why would we spend what time we do have and waste yeah. it on petty arguing and giving, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm right, you're wrong, and getting in conflicts? I mean, it's such a waste of time when we could just be talking about God's love and his grace and how he wants to become bigger and stronger and more real in each of our lives. And what can we do individually to change things in our lives to be more welcoming to him and allow his presence to permeate in our lives and to reach out to others. Oh, that's so, that's so good. I, yeah, I, uh, one of, one of the things I liked about what you write and who you are is so you're not, you, you said, you said life demanded that I test the spiritual con uh, concepts, which I embraced and had taught to others for years. What did I learn that life is difficult 
We all struggle, experience great loss, no immense heartache. But what is the point of our faith if not to give us a reason to live and to thrive? And you were talking about that different lens that faith, that faith has brought to. But talk a little bit about this, because I, I, I always I like when we obviously we keep it real here, you know, and that we can choose what we dwell on, but we can also keep it real at the same time because people struggle. And right now, of course, there's huge people are struggling. You know, people, people, if you look at kind of any of the, any metrics in terms of from, you know, mental illness, struggle, struggles and, and depression, anxiety, I mean, all these things. And, um, Talk uh, for a minute about, you know, to somebody who's struggling and and speak into their life wherever they might be. Well, the first thing I would want to share with people who struggle, and as you said, there are so many of them, we all struggle at various times in our lives, is the first message I would want to share is that you are not alone. You don't have to go through this alone. God is with you. And when we suffer, I believe God suffers with us. He's there for us. The Apostle Paul taught in one of his writings that uh, Jesus said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. So when we are at our weakest, he is at his strongest. And he's there for us. And as a person who's gone through a lot of challenging circumstances, and I've lost a lot of people that I love very dearly, in the midst of it all, I never felt alone. I knew that when I shed tears and I was scared that God felt every one of those and that he wanted me to feel his presence with me and to feel wrapped in his love and wrapped in his grace. And knowing that he was able to give me the strength to survive moment by moment, hour by hour, and ultimately day by day. But when you first enter a new phase of struggling, and I remember people would say to me, well, you just have to take it one day at a time. And I'm like, one day? I can barely take it 10 minutes at a time. <laughs> and I was overwhelmed, actually, by something that they thought they were encouraging me. And I thought, they've never been where I'm sitting right now, because I don't even know how I could take it. It was in the morning, and I thought, I don't know if I'll get through noon. And so... I had a precious brother, Rick, who I lost a couple years ago, who when I was in the midst of that situation, when my husband was struggling very seriously with leukemia, and we first were getting involved at the hospital and his treatment was started, my brother Rick called and he said, sis, how are you doing? And I said, I'm overwhelmed. I'm completely overwhelmed. Everybody's telling me to take it a day at a time. And I just can't do that. It's too long of a time. And they said, well, how long can you take it? And I said, honestly, I think I can only take it 10 minutes at a time. He said, then you know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to set a timer on my watch for every 10 minutes, and I'm going to stop, and I'm going to pray for you. And he did that. Uh. And that's love. That's taking the love of Christ and putting into tangible action, which is what we're called to do as Christians and as the church of Christ, is be the feet and the hands of Christ here on earth. And so my brother, who at the time I was in Florida and he was up in Ohio, he was able to do that for me when he couldn't just stand there and give me a hug. And so God meets us where we are. And we have so much evidence of that in the Bible. When you think about Jesus hanging on the cross, he had two convicted thieves on his left and his right. And one was 
saying, Father, please remember me when you get to paradise. And the other was just hurling insults and blaspheming and just, you know, crazy to even think of the things he said. And Jesus looked at that convicted thief who said, remember me. And he said, you know what? Today, today, you are going to be with me in paradise. And I love that Jesus chose someone who wasn't, you know, a wonderful, great person all his life or her life who just had a couple little mishaps. He chose someone who was a convicted felon. And right. in the minds of the world around him, he was a disaster. But Jesus wanted to know that's what grace looks like. Each of us can relate to the thief on the cross because we don't deserve God's grace. Grace is unmerited. And we don't, you know, mercy allows us not to receive the punishment that we deserve. Right. Right. So we get what we don't earn and we don't get what we do deserve. It's just right. topsy-turvy, the gospel sometimes. Right. So and I hope that people yeah. who are suffering really know that they are not alone. They can depend on God and that God feels their pain and that he can help them each and every day. And he can bring people into their lives to also help surround them with the love of Christ. Yeah, we need to do that for each other. We need to find our people and really, really stick close because we need each other in that sense. I mean, Absolutely. they grieve, grieve with those who grieve, and that that extravagant grace of God, that unmerited, it's it. I think Brendan Manning called it. You know, it's a little bit of a banana peel for the for the legalistic and for the people who have it all together. It's kind of a banana peel because how does this guy get to say? How does the guy he shows up at? 10 minutes to five, get the same money from the boss as the guy who was there all day. Like, this is not how it's supposed to work. Like, you know, right. guys, the, the good. Our the, the idea good of equity people. and justice. Right. Well, you know, where, where does it ever say in the Bible that we should get what we deserve? It's the complete opposite story and the complete opposite message. Um, it's not equitable necessarily. It's not justice as we as human beings think, oh, I deserve that. I was here longer than he was. I should get more money. Well, it's like, how many times do we catch ourselves? And it's such a painful thing when I catch myself and I realize I'm acting like the elder brother to the prodigal son. <laughs> right. I should be jumping right. up and down, hugging my brother, rejoicing with my father saying, what can I do to help the party? Not saying, well, why didn't you ever give me a, a party? I've been here all these years being faithful right. to you. I mean, yep. it's so convicting to me when you read stories like that, because it's yeah. like, just rejoice that we're all grateful. We get God's grace. Right. Right. The, the, you're not shortchanged. You know, but I right. love you know, the, the boss in that story where the guy shows up at 10 minutes to five and gets the same. Yeah. And then he's asked about, I think the boss, I don't remember exactly. I think the boss says something like, this is my money and I can do whatever I want kind of thing. Exactly. And <laughs> he's representing I, God. My yeah, grace, right. I can dole out to everyone. And, your business. You know, the thief on the cross, how much longer did he have to live to give his life to God? Right. Maybe an hour? Right. No, he didn't have like someone in prison that gets freed and says, oh, I have 30 more years I can give to God. I'm going to bring the gospel all over the face of the earth. He had maybe minutes or one hour. Yeah. And and that and that was enough. God said, my grace, I died for you. I'm dying for you just as much as everybody in the past and in the future. Yeah, that's what grace is. It's staggering. And when you really when it gets into your system, 
I always say it's kind of like something that needs to get into your system. I don't think it's an overnight thing all the time. I think sometimes oh, I this, the grace of God, it's like seeping in it, like we're marinating in it or something. But it's, um, you know, but but it, it does, it's a whole different thing. Like, I, I think about the two examples of the scripture where it says, you know, the, the, the one guy's response is, thank God I don't have your problems, right? And then the other guy, he says, beats on his chest and says, you know, God have mercy on me. Like that spirit of, hey, I'm not worried about you. Like, believe me, <laughs> I got all that I can handle right here. Like in my right. my, my previous guest today, we were talking about that. He, he, he was weird. Uh, Danny Silk was with me and, he, and we were talking about the the. The, the powerful person who who owns and kind of is is more thinking how do I make sure I've got self-control and I'm working on me I think so often today and especially you know certainly in politics and all these this garbage we have to watch everybody's thinking about the other guy right. your problems you got to change and I, that can happen in a family it can happen in a marriage it can happen Anywhere where we're, where, where we're going outward with that pointed finger of, if you would only do this, if you would only do that, we're, we're kind of missing it, aren't we? Absolutely. I mean, I think we need to, I love your analogy when you said, it's like, we have to let God's grace, we need to like marinate in it. And the reason I love that analogy is that the reason most of us sometimes marinate a piece of meat is the most obvious thing is that the meat is very tough and it's a cheaper cut of meat, which we're all kind of cheap cuts of tough meat. Let's be honest. <laughs> we weren't born to be filet mignon. And <laughs> so, but we need to marinate in God's grace. And what happens is that starts to soften us. And when we are softened, we start to realize, God, give me your mercy because I need it. I'm a sinner. I don't start thinking about everything everybody else has done wrong. I know that when I stand before God, I stand as a redeemed sinner only by the blood of Christ on Calvary. And so I think that grace, I mean, I've, it, one of the most classic Christian hymns of all time is amazing grace. And it is truly amazing. It's yeah. amazing because we don't deserve it. God gives it so liberally it just, it's just never ends. It's endless. It's boundless, just like God's love. His grace is boundless. And it's almost too good to be true where you can't wrap your mind around it. That's why I think you said what you said about you kind of need to marinate in it because it, it's almost like it boggles our finite mind to see that God's love and grace is infinite. Yeah, it's it really needs to be revealed to you because it's something that I just mm -hmm. don't think we're going to be able to figure out like it's got to be revealed and i think when it is the marinating thing that's i think we should run with that you're right we, we're does, on something i we like just, that we just invented that we're we're <laughs> softened we taste better to other people probably exactly <laughs> this is working well um you, another point you make i love is that you say laughter is healing Talk about that i totally believe that well first of all there's a proverb that says um a joyful heart is good medicine. Mm -hmm. And King Solomon was known as the wisest man in the world because that's the gift that God gave him. And when I think of some really dark, difficult times where on 
if you just looked at the facts of your situation based on, say, a disease, or it could be a marriage falling apart, it could be uh, all kinds of horrible things that people have to endure. If all you look at are the hard, cold facts, it could be so depressing and overwhelming and so dark. But yeah. in the midst of our darkness, we have to find light because you can't just live in total darkness. You've got to be able, or you don't really have a reason to wake up every day. You have right. to have light to balance where you are of going through difficult, dark times. And often for me, it would come in the form of humor and laughter. And my sweet husband who endured so much throughout his illness, sometimes he would say the funniest things that we just exploded in laughter. And I'm like, thank the Lord, we can still laugh. That means we're still <laughs> right. human. Right. It means we ma we're making it through one more day, one more hour. And it's a very healing aspect. And I think that, you know, laughter and tears, according to like literary people, you know, through the centuries, through the ages, I, I think that remember the, um, like in drama and theater, they have the two masks. One is smiling, happy, laughing. One is crying. Laughter and tears are very closely linked and they both kind of spring forth from our heart and our soul. And you know, we have to shed tears when we're in despair and when we're mourning and things are very challenging. But in the midst of that, if we are still able to laugh, that also springs from a healthy place that just as we need to cleanse with tears, we need to rebuild and rejuvenate with laughter. So I believe it is a definitely big gift from God for all of us. I totally agree. I love, we think of God as so serious. My goodness. No, and I think God it's loves so laughter serious. too. When I think of some of the funny things he's done in my life, I'm like, well, obviously God has a sense of humor because that's the last thing I thought he would do in order to solve this problem or. Right. Yeah. He's amazing. That's right. No, I, well, he invented laughter. I always say that God invented laughter and he didn't have to, but you know, he didn't have, he, he, you know, God's done so many good things that we take for granted. Like food doesn't have to taste good. You know, uh, you know, procreation doesn't have to be as great, you know, uh, laughter doesn't have to exist. Like we could be robotic right. and really, and we think of God as so serious, but I just don't think he is. Like I actually I don't either. I mean, when guy. you think of Jesus and the life he lived, you think of the times where you hear that children were just kind of climbing all over his lap. And I'm sure one was trying to get and sit on his shoulders and he laughed with the children and he played with the children. And Jesus yeah. was sent to show us who God is. And so I believe firmly that God loves us in the same way Jesus loved those children. I mean, we're called children of God and I know he laughs and, yeah. and I think it's a healthy tool that we can laugh of our, at ourselves if we get to the point where we can't laugh at ourselves, we have definitely gone over the edge in that we are too taking ourselves way too seriously. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I tell my wife where we have teenagers right now, so it's just a horrible thing. Yeah. You but need to laugh your entire way through their teenagehood. I try to tell my wife all to, the it's time. Survival. It's survival. Have, no, I say put the office on the TV on constant repeat on Peacock. <laughs> Just play the office and let's just lie here and watch Dwight. Like I can't do this anymore. We have exactly. like we have to laugh or we're just gonna be crying like in the fetal position. Right. If you don't laugh, you'll just cry a whole lot more. So to me, yeah. it's very healthy. I, I totally agree. We're gonna laugh our way through the misery. 
Exactly. What a great book. What a great person. We're out of time. I didn't even get to a quarter of it, which means the people are going to have to read your book. So they're going to have to go get it. <laughs> so Kim Harvey Brannon's written the book, Quiet Conversations, What God Wants You to Know About Him. And we just hit on a couple of those points, grace and laughter. We didn't even get to very much of it. But Kim, well, I'm just honored to meet you. I'm glad to know you. I think we, if we were together in person at a coffee shop, we would laugh. I have a feeling. Oh, we would do a lot of laughing. I know that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's been such a pleasure. And thank you so much for having me today. And I hope God will bless you. Thank you for your ministry and for just shedding so much light on the good life of you know, God's love and grace and how we do get to choose on what we dwell on. That's a wonderful message for the world. Oh, thank you. Love it. Love it. Kim Harvey Brandon, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Take care. God bless.